0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church podcast. We are so glad you are joining us midweek. Today's message is part 18 in Pastor DJ Ritchie's Sunday evening series on the book of Galatians. This message was given January 24th, 2021. We want to encourage you to join us in person at one or all of our services. Our doors are open Sunday mornings at 1030, Sunday nights at 7 o'clock, and Wednesdays at 6 45. If you have not yet subscribed, please do. And when you do, you will receive a notification each time we post a new message and will always be up to date. We hope this message would be an encouragement to you as you follow Jesus. So grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get to it. What does the word freedom mean to you?
1: What does it mean to be free? When you think about freedom, Do you think about it more in terms of what you don't have to do or what you are now able to do? I think when we talk about freedom in the natural world, we talk about freedom as an American, I think many times we think of freedom in the positive sense. I get to do this, I'm free to do that. I'm afraid that many times when it's the spiritual freedom that we're talking about, that we limit that thinking to, I don't have to do this or I don't have to do that. Now, freedom gives us the opportunity to avoid doing things, but it also gives us the freedom to be proactive, to be positive. There are things that God wants us to use our freedom for, And so when we talk about freedom, I want you to think about freedom, not just in the negative sense spiritually, I don't have to do this, I don't have to obey the law of Moses the way that the ancient Israelites did, I'm not a slave to my sin anymore, all of that is true and all of that is proper, but that is not where we need to stop when we think about freedom. I want you to begin to think about freedom in terms of what I get to do and actually what I'm now responsible for. To do and tonight we're going to look as we finish this section of the book this three of four the third section of the book the section on freedom as we first finish this section we're going to talk about what we're to use our freedom to do what it is given to us for now we have been in this section for a number of weeks and we've seen all Christians have freedom in Christ it's something that's given to us for anyone who has trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins And for anyone who's called upon Jesus Christ to save them, they understand that He, the Son of God, died for their sins, that He rose again from the dead, He he offers us forgiveness, eternal life. We have freedom in Christ. We're forgiven. We have freedom. But as we look around and as I take inventory many times in many seasons in my own life, I'd have to say there's many times when I wasn't really experiencing the freedom that was purchased for me. And so as we've walked through chapters four and five together, we've seen in chapter four that to experience freedom, we have to first embrace the fatherhood of God. We have to understand that we are relating to God the Father as our Father. Now, we have a servant-master relationship with God the Son. We have a uh, comforter-counselor relationship with God the Holy Spirit, the spirit of adoption. But when it comes to God the Father, we have to embrace the fatherhood. We are not to see ourselves as a slave anymore under the law of of Moses, but rather freedom as the children of God. We saw in verses 8 through 11 that we have to escape the snare of Christianized paganism, what we would simply call today legalism. That we have to, in verses 11 through 20, evade the lore of the false affection by being very careful of the spiritual influences we allow into our lives, the people we allow to speak into our lives. Doesn't mean that we isolate ourselves from the unsaved, but it means that we need to be very careful who we allow to have input into the spiritual choices that we make. And we talked about educating ourselves with a biblical understanding of the law. We looked at the picture that Paul painted for us from the Old Covenant, from the uh, Old Testament. We saw that the law no longer tells us how to live, but it retains the power to tell us how not to live. It's, it's really now for just the wicked, not the righteous. And then in chapter 5, we talked about enduring in the fight for our freedom. We have to stand up for it. We have to work at defending it. And that is not just our right. It is our duty to fight. We have to count the cost of surrendering to legalism we have to set our hope on Christ's return and on the righteousness that we will experience that he's already purchased for us that we will experience in completion when we see him as first john 3 says when we see him we will be like him for we'll see him as he is and everyone who has that hope in themselves purifies themselves just as he is pure and so we live by faith but we also uh, paul began to talk about this idea of living by love that we're going to look at more closely here in just a second And then lastly, we looked at eradicating the leaven of legalism. We have to hunt it down. We have to search it out and remove it uh, in our churches, in our hearts, in our lives. And so to do that, we have to make sure that we're not relying on our past success. We saw today, this morning, the story of Elijah, a man who had an incredible encounter with God, was used powerfully by God on Mount Carmel, had an incredible victory over 450 prophets of Baal, that led uh, not only to the destruction and judgment of those prophets, but to the revival of the people that were there, a revival in their hearts. And yet, within 24 hours, he had taken his eyes off of Yahweh and on his opposition, Jezebel, and we have to be very careful that we don't rely on the victories and think that yesterday's victory guarantees today's victory. We have to... Every day is a new battle, and every day is a uh, a new responsibility to go to the Father and uh, to depend on Him for our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread, we're we're to call. And so... um, We're also to pray, by the way, that that God would deliver us from the evil one. And so we have to make sure that we're rejecting false teachers. We identify them by their fruits. We reject their teachings. Jesus said in Matthew 7, by their fruits you'll know them. And so we've seen how to make sure that we're living in our freedom. And now as we complete this section of the book, Paul is going to help us to understand what we're to do with that freedom. And as we've already seen, moving from the favor of God into the faith of Christ, freedom of Christ, We're going to begin, Lord willing, next week to talk about spiritual fruit. But as we transition from freedom to fruit, Paul says you need to make sure that you are living a life of love. That you are exercising love. Because the whole point of our freedom is that we live lives of love. Self-sacrificial, Christ-like love. Now there's three things that I want to show you About Love tonight from these verses let's just read we're just going to look at a couple of verses tonight verses 13 14 and 15 from uh, Galatians chapter 5 and then there are three things that I want you to see in these three verses number one uh, here in verse 13 we see for brethren ye have been called unto liberty only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh but by love serve one another for all the law is fulfilled in one word even in this thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself now let's stop there for just a second the first thing I want you to see is that love is the scope of our liberty love is the scope of our liberty Christ has given us freedom we experience that freedom by faith but we have been given that freedom so that we might be fruitful and the way that we ex- begin to experience fruit is by focusing on loving our neighbor as ourselves, loving one another see true faith is measured by love not laws True faith is measured by love, not laws. We like the laws. We like the checklist. Made it to church today. Made it to church twice. I get, I get like extra credit for that. And uh, I, I, I gave something to, at church today, and I was a pretty good person, and I didn't post on Facebook what I, what I really wanted to post on Facebook. And so I get extra points for that, and I was, I was pretty good to my spouse today. I was pretty good. We like all these laws, and we like the checklists, and Paul is saying, listen, we're we're not doing the checklist. We're doing love. We're doing sacrificial love for one another, and that's how you measure whether you're really walking by faith and not by sight. That's how you really measure whether you are living in the reality. You're experiencing the reality that you've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, you live, yet not you But Christ is living in you and the life you now live in the flesh, you're living by faith in the son of God who loves you and who gave himself for you. And so if we're really living with that as our focus, with Jesus Christ, what he has done for us as our daily focus. Then his love for us should inspire our love, not only for him, but 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 for everyone else he died for. He didn't just die for me now, he would have, I believe that with all my heart. But he didn't just die for me, he didn't just die for you, he died for all of us. And so every single person that we encounter is someone uh, who is loved by God, who Christ died for, shed his blood for, and we need to be looking at people with those eyes. As Paul said in First Corinthians, cha- Corinthians chapter 6, uh, we used to look at people according to the flesh, but we don't look at people that way anymore. Paul says everyone is either in Christ or in need of Christ. Everyone that we meet is either in Christ. They're a new creation. Old things uh, are becoming new, right? Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. Everyone we meet is either in Christ or, Paul said, they're in need of Christ. And we're an ambassador. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And that is how we need to learn to see one another and whether there's somebody who is, who is in Christ like I am or someone in need of Christ like I was, there's someone who needs to be loved. True faith is measured by love, not laws. And so true freedom is expressed through love, not license. Now, don't fall out of the other side of the boat. Don't fall out of the other side of the boat and say, as some people uh, mockingly and twistedly said that Paul was saying that, oh, well, you can just do whatever you want then. What does Paul say in Romans chapter 6? I'm going to turn to Romans chapter 6. If you keep your finger in Galatians 5, you might want to flip over with me. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 1, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? In Greek, he says, In uh, the King James, it says, God forbid. It, it literally means may it never be, but it, it's such a strong word that the uh, King James translator said, well, may it never be doesn't really carry the, the weight of the, of the Greek. And so let's, what's the strongest way that we can say this? How can we convey how serious this statement is in Greek? And so they, the, the strongest statement that they used in that time was God forbid. And so that's what they put here. God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein. Freedom is not an invitation to license, to selfishness. Amen. Colossians 2, verse 8 says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy, vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. So, don't fall off the boat on this side, back into legalism. But then 1 Peter two sixteen says that we're to live as free, not using our liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as servants of God. Don't fall out of the boat on this side either well i have freedom so i can use that as a cover to just be selfish and self-absorbed and do what i want and live how i want if it's not a checklist then i i just won't. Have to, i don't have to come to church at all right if if god says i love a cheerful giver and i'm not cheerful giving then i don't have to give anything right if god wants me to serve Willingly, and I'm not willing, then I guess I just won't serve at all, right? It, we, we use our liberty for a cloak of maliciousness and as a way to abuse grace. And Paul says true freedom is not expressed through legalism or license. It's expressed through love. Now, let me give you three challenges from that verse, those verses. Number one, uh, accept the call to liberty. Accept the call. You cannot live in love while living under legalism. You can't. Because when my, my eyes are on legalism and I'm determining my spiritual value based on how well I'm checking the boxes and not really doing things out of a love for the Lord and not really serving Him out of a love for other people, God looks at your heart. Now, I can't look at your heart. I can look at your fruit. I'm called to look at your fruit. We're, by, by their fruits you shall know them. We're, we're called to look at, at people's fruit and we're called to be discerning. But I can't look at your heart. God looks at your heart. And God weighs our hearts. And our hearts can be very deceitful. They're deceitful above all things, Jeremiah said. Desperately wicked. So we have to allow the Holy Spirit to tell us what's in our heart. He will, he wants to, but are we listening? Accept the call to liberty. Don't uh, rely on legalism, don't fall into license. And then along with that, the second thing I would say is take responsibility for your liberty. Don't abuse your freedom from the law by replacing it with license. Because license, as Paul says in Romans 6, is really slavery to self. Uh, If you're still in Romans 6, listen to what Paul says here uh, in verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin or be a slave to sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him, for in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin." but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Paul says says the same thing in a different way in Romans 6. Listen, you are free. Don't enslave yourself says your sin, you're free from sin, you're free from the law, but you're also free from your sin. So don't live as a slave to your sin. Live as a slave to the Lord Jesus Christ. Live as he is your master. And so use your freedom to serve him. To serve him, take responsibility for your liberty. And then the third thing, as we've already said, serve others with your liberty. This is love in action, not love in theory. A lot of people like to use the word love. They like to talk about love. And we need to be more loving. But what does that mean? What does that mean? True Christ-like love is self-sacrificial. It's not sentiment. It's not just based on feelings. It's It's not about just making somebody else feel good about themselves. Now, hopefully that is the ultimate goal, is that we'll all feel better, but... Listen, when when I discipline my child, it's not so that he feels better today. It's so that he feels better as he grows up and as he matures. And God God disciplines us. And and as Hebrews chapter 12 says, no discipline at the time makes you feel good. But does that mean that God doesn't love us because he's disciplining us? Uh, Absolutely not. Quite the opposite. God's discipline does make us uncomfortable. It does upset us for our greater benefit, for our maturity. True love is self-sacrificial. This is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1-2. through Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us and hath given Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. See, the offering of Christ's body and blood When he died on the cross, that offering was not made to you. That you could accept or reject that offering was made to God, the father and God, the father accepted it completely. And as evidence of that, he raised Christ from the dead on the third day, according to the scriptures. He didn't die to you. He died for you. And that difference of a pronoun uh, makes an eternity of difference. He died for you. And so because God has accepted his sacrifice, he can offer salvation and forgiveness to everyone, whether you accept it or not. And not one drop of blood is has been wasted because it wasn't offered to you. It was offered for you to the father. Philippians uh, chapter two, uh, Paul talks about the example of Jesus Christ. uh, and how we need to le- learn from that example, Philippians chapter 2 says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels in mercy, and, and the word if there is, a, is of course, because, since there is, since there is consolation in Christ, since there is comfort of love, since there is fellowship of the Spirit, since... Uh, we share vows and mercies. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Don't do anything to try to get back at somebody or to try to show up somebody else. Well, they got to do that, so I want a chance to do that. Well, isn't it? You didn't really want to do it until you saw them do it, so why do you want the opportunity now to do it? Uh, It's vainglory. Well, look at the attention they're getting. So now I want to get that attention too. Don't don't serve God that way. God sees right through that. Philippians 2 says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who... Uh, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking upon him the very nature of a sermon, servant. and Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even death on the cross, and because of that, God the Father has highly exalted him, given him the name that is above every name. And, there, and there's a day coming when at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the glory of God the Father. And yet, despite all of that glory, he humbled himself. He became obedient and he thought of you. Not just himself. He deserved glory, not murder, but he laid himself down. And Paul says, that's the same attitude that we should have. That's the same attitude that you should have. How often have I gotten my feelings hurt because somebody didn't pat me on the back or somebody didn't thank me? Somebody forgot to thank me. That's. Childish. And as I said to, I think it was uh, the deacons and Pastor Nick the other night, I said one of the things I miss about working with teenagers is that when a teenager acts like a teenager, it's because they're a teenager. But when an adult acts like a teenager, it's very frustrating <laughs> because they're not a teenager, but sometimes we act like teenagers. We all do sometimes because of our sin. So we have to serve others with the liberty that God has given us. First John three sixteen. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So love is the scope of our liberty, and, and here's the next thing I want to show you. Love is the spirit of the law. Love is the spirit of the law. Uh, back to uh, Galatians chapter five, verse fourteen. All the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor. As thyself. Now, again, we've seen that Christ has fulfilled the law. Matthew chapter 5. I I have not come to destroy the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill them. The law has already been fulfilled. The prophets have been partially fulfilled. When Christ comes back and sets up His eternal kingdom, He will completely fulfill the prophets. He's already fulfilled the law. And so the law no longer has the power to tell me how to live. I don't have to worry about Growing a beard and cutting it a certain length. I don't have to worry about the length of my hair as part of my uh, Christian identity. That was an Israelite old covenant law. There were many things like that. I don't have to observe the Sabbath the way that the Israelites living under the law of Moses had to observe the Sabbath. But the law still has power in this sense. The spirit of the law is love. The spirit of the law is love. And so I don't have to follow the letter of the law the way that the Israelites did the old covenant. I'm under the new covenant. I'm under the law of Christ. I'm under the law of of the apostles and the New Testament prophets. I learned about the nature of God from the old covenant. But I'm not under the old covenant. It is it has been fulfilled. The writings that were against me have been nailed to the cross, Paul said. Nevertheless, the point of that was to show us love. Do you realize all of those commandments were really about how to love God and how to love others? All of them. How to love God and how to love others. And we don't have to do them to the letter the way that the Old Testament, Old Covenant believers had to, but we still have to get with the program in the spirit of the law which is love the spirit of the law thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself matthew 7:12 therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you do ye even so to them for this is the law and the prophets do unto others as you would have them do unto you now that doesn't mean that we throw out the new testament or the old testament doesn't mean that we throw out, because those things tell us how we should want to be treated and how we need to treat others better than ourselves. But that's what it all comes down to. And if I just do a, try to go through the Bible like it's a checklist, and I'm going to check this box and check that box, but I'm not motivated by really sacrificing and, and looking for the good of others, not just the good of myself, then... I've missed the whole point Amen. and I'm not benefiting and I'm not really living in freedom. I'm just living under a different kind of bondage. So let's do three things tonight. First of all, let's educate ourselves. Let's educate ourselves to love biblically. I must first obey the truth. That's back in um, verse seven. I have to obey the truth. If I cannot biblically define love, I cannot boldly demonstrate it. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Love must be without dissimulation or without hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil, cling to that which is good. If my love affirms evil, that's not biblical love. If my love is not pointing others to what is good and right and true as defined by God in His Word, then that's not true love. It's human sentimentality, but it's not agape biblical love. So I have to obey the truth. I have to know what the Bible says is right and wrong, and and standing against wrong is love. Standing against evil is loving. Say, well... Why do you have to be so offensive? Why do you have to be so, so sharp in your tone? Listen, evil has eternal consequences. And we need to be thinking in eternal terms, not just about people's temporary feelings. Doesn't mean that we're rude or offensive for the sake of being offensive. But all of those commands in the Old Testament that we think were harsh, that we think were Horrible! How could God command the death of those people? And how could God command the death of, of, a, of even a, a young person who is um, has a lifestyle of rebellion and who will not be uh, brought under any kind of subjection? Why did God command execution? Why, why was that a capital crime under the Old Covenant? Again, we're not under the Old Covenant, but... Why was that a crime? Because of the impact that it had on others, because of the way that others were being abused and taken advantage of. And see, when you protect the abuser, you're, because you think it's loving to protect the abuser, and you continue to allow the abuse to go on, you're actually doing more harm than good. And so it's, it's do you love? Are you willing? Love, love is tough. Love means making some hard choices. Love means having to share some some tough words with people, tough truths. But it has to be based on the truth. Romans 13.10 Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. All of the Old Covenant was loving. And if we're not judging sin, we're enabling it. And we're hurting others, not helping them. So let's educate ourselves on what God says love is. Number two, let's extrapolate. How do I love my neighbor as myself? How do I love with Christ-like love? How do I love with self-sacrificial love? Well, here's the thing. If you truly know biblical love, you will truly show biblical love. And here's what that will look like. Let me give you some principles to guide you. Uh, from the scriptures. Number one, prioritize. We know scripturally, of course, God is number one. But from a, in a human standpoint, when we talk about loving our neighbors, when we're looking at the human standpoint, the, the greatest commandment, love the, love the Lord your God. But the second grade is is like unto it, Jesus said, love your neighbor. And so when we talk about loving our neighbors, number one comes, must come my family. It must come my family. Paul said to Timothy, anyone who doesn't take care of their family is worse than an infidel. So, I have to prioritize my wife and my son over everybody else. And even within that framework, I have to prioritize my wife over my son. Amen. My wife is with me forever till death do us part. My son is with me until he's 18 and then he is... No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I stay with, with my parents uh, past my 18th birthday by quite a few years. and Moved back in with them to pay off some bills. I'm joking about that part. But I'm not joking about the priority within the family. Number two principle needs over wants. What my son needs is more important than what he wants. Oh, he wants things. Mine, he knows that word very well. My, fill in the blank. But what he needs is more important than what he wants. Commitments over conveniences. I have commitments at home. I have commitments here at the church. Uh, this is not only my uh, place of worship and ministry. Of course, for me, for Pastor Nick, this is our, our job. For Robin and Stacy, this is where we work. For Carolyn, this is where we work. We, we get a, a paycheck. There are work obligations that we have. You have a job. There are work obligations. And then you also have commitments at Memorial Heights Baptist Church. If you're a part of this church, or wherever, if you're watching online, wherever you're part, whatever church you're part of, you have commitments there, and commitments need to take priority over conveniences. And so, if we're going to love, we have to be able to prioritize. Number two. Give. Give, self-sacrificial giving, uh, not just your treasure, not just not just financially. Sometimes the most important thing you can give somebody is your time. Time to listen, time to talk, time to serve uh, with your talents. uh, Serving especially those in need. We're not going to take time to look at the story, the parable of the uh, Good Samaritan, Luke chapter 10, but that's a beautiful picture. Who is my neighbor? And Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan. A complete stranger In need, if you have the opportunity and the ability to meet that need, if God brings that person into your life and God sends you as the as the contact person, that's your neighbor. And we need to be willing and and ready to sacrifice. So prioritize, give, Uh, forgive and be kind with compassion to all. Ephesians uh, chapter four. 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. We say sometimes that the hardest three words to say in the English language are, I was wrong. But there are three words that may be just as hard. I forgive you. Oh, that's hard to mean. But part of loving sacrificially is, is being willing to forgive and treating everyone with compassion. Again, that doesn't mean that we don't speak the truth in love that sometimes isn't welcome and isn't what they want to hear, but we're willing to forgive and be kind. Number four, uh, not only prioritize, give, uh, forgive, and be kind, but number four, forego. Forgo. Uh, this deserves really a, a whole sermon series of its own, and, and we're not going to take the time in, in the, our study on Galatians to, to do that. But Romans chapter 14 and, and also in Corinthians, uh, Paul talks about setting aside our liberty if it becomes a stumbling block to somebody else. And so that's really Christian liberty like 401. We're, we're talking about Christian liberty 101 right now. Uh, that's really Christian liberty 401 when you get into... Uh, having to know when I should be able to exercise my liberty, but I'm not going to because I I don't want to cause somebody else to stumble. And then lastly, uh, this is so important. I think we overlook this a lot. We talked about this this morning. Reset. Reset. And really that means rest. If you're going to love your neighbor as yourself, you're going to have to have something to give them. And if you want to continue to be able to give and give, you're going to have to take some time for yourself and, and to look after yourself. There's going to have to be some time of rest. Jesus rested. Jesus Now, now there were times when he allowed his rest to be interrupted. He allowed his, his, his uh, uh, personal time with the Father. He allowed his sleep. Remember, though, a couple times when Jesus got woken up, he wasn't too happy about it. And that was not sinful for him to not be happy about it because he didn't, do any, he didn't have any sin in him. But he understood the importance of rest. He under, uh, understood the importance of Sabbath because even God Sabbath, God Sabbath, not because he needed rest when he created the world on the seventh day, God rested, he Sabbath, not because he needed it, but as an example, knowing that we need it. And so if you want to love your family, uh, if you want to love your church, your friends, you want to love. Uh, the people at work, you're going to have to make sure that you are not giving and giving and giving and giving so much that you burn out. You've got to have rest. You've got to have rest. So educate, extrapolate, and then evaluate. I'll let you do this on your own time. Uh, who am I serving? How am I serving them? How often am I serving them? Uh, that's not my place. That's the Holy Spirit's place to tell you that. So you need to get alone with God sometime uh, in the next day or two before you forget about this message, and you need to ask these questions. Who, who am I serving? And ask the Holy Spirit to show you where you need to improve or, or where you need to um, be encouraged, that you're doing well in that area, that, that you are serving, that you are um, reaching out and ministering, and, and allow the Holy Spirit to affirm you in that. Educate, extrapolate, evaluate. And then here's the last thing as we close. Look at verse 15. This is one of those really difficult verses in this chapter. There are some hard loving truths that Paul gives to us. Look at verse 15. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. Love is the scope. Love is the spirit. But notice also as we close, love is the safeguard of our longevity. Love is the safeguard. Do you want to be a shooting star in the church? Or do you want to be a shining star in the church? Do you want to be somebody who serves intensely for a short period of time and then burns out and gives up and quits because you got hurt? Or do you want to be in this for the long haul, understanding that we're all going to stand before Jesus Christ and give an account of our service to him? So do I want to be a short-term servant or a long-term servant? Both our church and our own personal faithfulness will be protected if our motivation is love. If our motivation is love. If, I, if my motivation is to be loved, and that's why I'm serving, to get love, to get affirmation, to get encouragement, and I hit a, a, a hard season in my family or a hard season in my church or a hard season at work or wherever, and I'm not getting that, I'm going to burn out. I'm going to get discouraged. I'm going to quit. And even worse, Paul says, legalism and license lead to spiritual cannibalism. Have you read, did, you, did you read the words that we, that we looked at that Paul says? If ye bite and devour one another. It's been a while since I've been bit by somebody other than my son when he was younger. It's been a while since he's bit me, actually, too. Quite a while. Years. Uh, I was a, a social worker the last time somebody uh, bit me that was not a, a baby or a child. Uh, it's, not, it's not fun to get bit Um, devouring one another, consuming one another. That's disgusting. Why is Paul using such... Why is he talking about like spiritual zombies? Why is he talking about spiritual cannibalism? Because that's what we do when we just bite and criticize and pick at and, and tear down with no concern to build up the body of Christ and to minister to the body. The only way to safeguard myself from being devoured... Whether people are biting me or not, snipping at me or not, the only way to guard my heart from becoming a spiritual cannibal is to make sure that I'm motivated by love, exercising love. I am serving because I love Jesus Christ who died for me, who gave his life for me, who brought me into the family of God. I love the Father. He's he's given me all the rights and privileges. He's given me eternal life through Christ. I love the Holy Spirit. He anoints me, He fills me, He empowers me. We'll talk in a few weeks, Lord willing, about the fruit that He he will produce inside of us. But if my eyes are not on Him and and not on others, um, I'm going to be consumed. And boy, have I had that experience of some bitter, those who profess to be Christians, only God knows their heart. But, hey, I've had those seasons in my life too when I just picked and criticized and snipped, bit. Legalism and license will both lead to spiritual cannibalism. So let's exercise love. That's the whole spirit of the law. That's the scope of why we have the liberty that we have, to exercise love. I didn't know it was going to be snowing when I threw this last night, slide it in there, but it does seem to fit tonight. Love thy neighbor. Love thy neighbor. That's what it all comes down to. Would you stand as we close in prayer? Father, we thank you, God, that you love us so much that you sent your only begotten son to die on the cross for us. God, we thank you that you rose him from the dead and offer us eternal life through Christ, through repentance because of your grace, your forgiveness. Uh, God, I pray that because of your great love for us that we would love others. God, we all need growth in this area, improvement. None of us are have reached full maturity yet. We won't reach that until we see you. And so God, help us to be encouraged, to be challenged, to be warned by the words of your scriptures tonight. We love and thank you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes as Andy plays. We want to give you an opportunity to respond if you have a need. You need somebody to pray with you or you just want to come forward and pray or maybe there's just something you need to talk to God about right where you're standing time to do that. for us. We thank you, God, that we when we are faithless, you are still faithful. And God grow uh, us in this critical area of living in freedom, but living lives of
0: love. We do love you and we thank you for all of your blessings. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. What another great message from Pastor DJ. I hope this has found you well and has made an impact on your life in the name of Jesus. If it has Please give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you listen on and share it with a friend so others might be encouraged as well. If you have never accepted Christ as your Savior and would like to know how, give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to hear from you. We hope to see you soon, and until next time, stay faithful.